On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Incredible. One of the worst performances of my career, and they never doubted it for a second. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? And welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I got my brother Quentin with me, as always. And today, we're starting the beginning. That's redundant. (laughs) This is the beginning of uh, something a little bit different here, Q. This is different. Like this, this, these next batch of episodes, this is going to be a change uh, of the, uh, of the established no filler formula. Yeah. This is the first time that we're covering multiple bands in one episode besides like our, our year end episodes yeah, that we yeah. do, you know? But so here's the, here's what happened. Q and I had decided a while back that we were going to do a batch of eighties episodes after our dad tunes episodes, right? And then we just, it dawned on us, Q, that our experience of the 80s when we were young was through John Hughes films, right? Yep. Because we were born in the late 80s. So we weren't, we weren't kids really in the 80s. We were kids in the 90s, but our parents would show us these John Hughes films. And one in particular we watched over and over and over again. And that was countless times. Yeah, I can't even count. Can't even count how yeah. many times I've seen this film. And that would be, of course, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So we decided, hey, let's just do a batch of episodes where we talk about the music featured in John Hughes films. Specifically, well, maybe we won't list them out, but we're going to do at least four. And we're going to start with Ferris Bueller. And to try to stay true to the to the no-filler format, at least in some way, if the song that was featured in the film was a single released by that band, then we are going to play a non-single from that band. Uh, but we're still going to talk about the song that, that was featured in the film. Uh, and this is just going to be a blast, dude. Yeah, man. The music, right? The music is so... I mean, dude, you know, we've been talking about this a lot with dad tunes. But I feel like the kind of music that found its way into John Hughes movies probably had a pretty big influence in the kind of music that we listen to now. Yeah. You know? It all goes back to that hypnagogic pop yeah. and that love for that 80s sound. So that, yeah, that that song that was playing in the background of our intro clip there, which was the very beginning of the movie, um, was that band that I talked about with Mark yeah. uh, from CD <laughs> Addict and uh, Mad World Records who was on. Yeah, dude, he's almost positive that you were the one and only person to yeah. ask him if he could order you a copy of Seek Seek Sputnik's Greatest Hits. Yeah, and I specifically <laughs> did it because I wanted to hear that song in particular. I wanted to own that on CD, and I wanted to hear what else they were, what those guys were doing. And this was before Spotify, you know, so I couldn't just – I couldn't pull it up and realize, oh, yeah, this is all crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had right. to buy a CD, as, you know, as we all had to do. We all had to buy the CD back in the day to realize that the single was the only good thing on there. Or to realize, as you and I did with lots of albums, that, oh, the single is actually the worst song on the record and everything else is even better. But Six Six Bunning, that was not the case. Um, they very much had their signature sound, that that sound, basically, that song, all of their songs. Over, do that, over yeah, and over. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, Trav, you did most of the research yeah. just kind of diving into how he decided to put music into his films. I'm going to guess that a lot of it was all him, right? Yes, absolutely. Is that, is that a big part of Definitely. it? Definitely. So, yeah, um, that's awesome. As as he has said in many interviews, like he he wanted to be a musician before he made films. He just didn't have the the talent. So, music has always been a part of John Hughes, and you know, when the director 
and also the writer. It's because typically he wrote the script for these movies too. And it, it, you know, it's the same person that's picking the music for the film. That's why the music so often uh, perfectly accompanies the scene, right? Because it's all coming from the same mind, you know? And a lot of times he would purposely, because he was such a music fan, he would be listening to bands that were obscure and not on the radio yet. And he would break bands in a that's way. That's so cool. Which is dude. really crazy to think about. But yeah, that's how important his these soundtracks became. Um, and we're going to talk about some of his other iconic movies in the coming episodes. But the interesting thing about Ferris Bueller in particular, it, that was one of the few films that didn't have a soundtrack that was released that you could purchase, which is interesting. And one of the reasons was he thought that the the mix was such a it was such a weird eclectic mix of music that it wouldn't really uh, it wouldn't really go well together as a as a CD released as in like he you know going from Wayne Newton Donkashin <laughs> to yeah. the Beatles Twist and Shout to some of the more kind of obscure stuff like Yellow uh, which we'll talk about on this episode would just be it, it, you know he assumed that it wouldn't sell well and he might have been he may have been right about that but that sort of built up this uh, demand for this record, right? That it was finally released. Yeah. Um, I know there's been releases of Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtracks. Yeah, it wasn't released until the 2000s. Um, but basically what's funny about it is everybody loved the music so much that uh, it would basically, you know, create this sort of like bootleg mixtape type uh, way of getting the songs. Mm -hmm. So in the liner notes of this release, right? The re-release, or, well, I guess the first release. Um, his son, so this is after John Hughes passed away in 2009, is when the record was put out. So his son, James Hughes, put in the liner notes that the absence of an official soundtrack was a challenge to music lovers to track down this music on their own. And so people would do that. People would make either, you have to find them online, or you'd have to find, like, you know, file sharing sites back in the day, like, you know, Kazaa, Napster, like you could find it, right? but it was, you know, piecemeal together. You have to from, piece it together. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really interesting. But, um, but yeah, so, oh yeah, here's another fucking, okay. Now, you know, let's, let's get in it. Let's get into our first track. I've got some more little anecdotes here, but um, let me just, let me say this real quick, dude. So we were babies when this came out, we were, we were newborn we weren't even Just alive yet. It came out in 86. Not even, we weren't alive when it, when it was uh, released in theaters, but you know, by the time it reached the home, the home box office. The home cinema. The, yeah, we were, we were, you know, just little, little babies, little one-year-olds. But I can imagine that if I was at the right age, seeing this in the theater, like I imagine that having this like obscure music that I'm hearing for the first time while watching this movie, that must have made it that much more exciting and fun to see, you know? Yeah, well, you know, by that time, he had already released... 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, right? All of those movies had already come out. This is actually the last one that he did that was kind of this um, this teen The teen stuff, film, yeah. Right? So I, yeah. I read an interesting article that was saying that um, while those previous films truly had his fingerprints all over them, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the first Hughes film to capture the radiant joy and reflective inquisitiveness that can sometimes be the flip side of all that passionate upheaval. So, you know, the characters a little bit are a little bit older, right? Ferris is a little bit older than 16 Candles or The Breakfast Club teenagers, right? That more explored like sort of the teenage angst and adolescence type uh, predicaments that all teenagers go through, right? Like right. with Ferris, it's just, you know, you, you get some of that anxiety and stuff from Cameron's character for sure. And from his sister, Jeannie. Uh, What's her name? Jeannie. Yeah, yeah, his sister Jeannie. You know. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, but you get. O it, otherwise, it's, it's just you know, it's just Ferris uh, getting away with manipulating his parents into thinking that he's sick and taking a day off of school. Right. But it's just the fucking perfect film, dude. It really is. Yeah, I I love this movie. I it never gets old, dude. Right. Ever. It's one of those films that you that if you know, not that anybody has. I mean, I don't at least. I don't pay for cable. I haven't paid for cable in 
almost a, over a decade now. But yeah, same, same. If I were in a household that had cable and I was flipping through the channels and this was on, of course I'd stop and watch it. Like it's one of those films. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is go through the film in a way as far as when we're going to play these songs, you know? So we're going to go through the scenes. And we're going to go in order that they appear. In order that they appear in the film. So what's cool is the first one we're going to play is actually part of the original score by Ira Newborn, who is a musician, actor, composer. And he actually does a lot of scores for John Hughes. He did 16 Candles. He did Weird Science. He did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He did Uncle Buck. John Hughes loves this guy. So this is the scene when when we first get introduced to Cameron, and he's in bed. He's actually sick. And uh, Ferris is trying to convince him to come pick him up so they can go have a day off. So here is our first clip. This song is called Cameron in Bed slash Ferris Goes Hawaiian. Hello? Cameron, babe, what's happening? Very little. How do you feel? Shredded. Is your mother in the room? She's in Decatur. Unfortunately, she's not staying. Where are you? I'm taking a day off. Now get dressed and come on over. You can't stoop it. I'm sick. That's all in your head. Come on over. I feel like complete shit, Ferris. I can't go anywhere. I'm sorry to hear that. Now come on over here and pick me up. You just can't think of anything good to do. If anybody needs a day off, it's Cameron. He has a lot of things to sort out before he graduates. Can't be wound up this tight and go to college. His roommate will kill him. When Cameron was in Egypt's land Let my Cameron go I love that scene, man. <laughs> now... I might be wrong about this, but isn't that the first time that we see Cameron? Yes, it Dude, cuts to the, him in bed. But that's a fir- that's our first introduction to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, so it's, it's got perfect. you know, uh, it's got Ben Stein's character, the professor, doing roll call, and he says he calls out Cameron Cameron Fry. Yeah. So he calls out Fry. And it cuts to him, and it cuts to that phone call with Ferris. That music is perfect because, you know, between that kind of melancholy, very depressing sounding. Uh, melody and cuts right to that Hawaiian, like yeah. luau kind of music. You take away the the script, and that is Cameron and Ferris, like perfectly distilled in music format, right? And that's how it plays out on the soundtrack. And it does actually end with that little choir singing, "Let my let, Cameron let my go. Cameron go." Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really funny. But no, it's it's interesting to think about the score, right? Because a lot of times with John Hughes films, until you get to Home Alone or whatever, which wasn't directed by him, you never think about the score all that much, right? You think about the no. the songs, the 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 pop songs or whatever that ended up on on the on the movie. So yeah, and I think what Newborn does here, it really is so. It's just part of the film, you know. It's not anything too extravagant or orchestral, you know. And I love that guitar, man, and that that yeah, the slide guitar vibe. I love it, dude. Yeah, there, it's a. It's kind of a, it's not a slide guitar. It's not like a, whatever. It's it, it, it. I like the delay, but yeah, it's a little a note, yeah. a little slide note, and then that delay kind of hits. It's cool. It's really well done, uh, dude. I, I gotta say one of my favorite lines or whatever when when Ferris is like, "How are you feeling?" He's like, "Shredded, <laughs> <laughs> shredded." <laughs> yeah, I'm dying. The way he says "I'm dying" too is just perfect. Yeah, uh, I just like how he's like. Uh, my mom's indicator. Unfortunately, she's not staying. <laughs> As in, like, please, for the love of God, mom, just stay wherever you are. Just stay there. Yeah. Because you being in this house with me is the worst thing I can imagine. But no, it's Dude, just a perfect introduction for, for his yeah. character. 
And then, like, not too long after that scene, it cuts to Cameron, like, contemplating. He's sitting in his car, like, <laughs> like don't fucking go he, pick him up. He's just going to keep calling He starts me. pounding the keep steering calling wheel. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's and just his freaking car won't turn over because it's a piece of crap. Yeah. Oh, when, he, when he starts beating the seat next to him. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, what a brilliant performance by that guy. Yeah. That's anyway. Alan Ruck, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with Alan Rickman, who played uh, Professor Snape in Harry Potter. Dude, I'm all stoked right now about Harry Potter, by the way, because PS5 or PlayStation 5, they just yeah. announced that there's going to be a Harry Potter RPG on the PS5. So guess who's about to shell out 400 bucks to get a PS5? Me. You? Yeah, me. I'm not going to I'm not going to wait around a few years, dude, like I usually do. This do is going to be the first time that I buy a console right when it comes out. So treat yourself. Because of Harry Potter. You better get on if there's a list, you better get on it, dude. Uh early uh pre-order is tomorrow, so. Okay. Anyway, hey, let's 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 move along. Yeah, let's it. move along. So, um okay, so if I'm not mistaken, the next song that we're doing is beat city right nope we're gonna do yellow next okay so the next scene that we're visiting is the famous ferrari scene and that song comes up toward the end too i believe it's played twice oh that's right it's played while uh when rooney's walking home yep that's right towards that's in the credits isn't it at the beginning of the credits yeah yeah that's right this is one of those songs i bet you that people were dying to know who it was you know what i mean and when yeah. you didn't have a soundtrack that you could just go pick up off the shelves, like, you know, because it's such a, it like, it is so synonymous with the film, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially the the, the scene that it accompanies, right? The, the Ferrari scene. So this song in particular was a single. Yep. It's by the band Yellow, Y-E-L-L-O. Uh, so yeah, let's play the scene and then we got a cool... We got a cool, uh, a cool non-single to play with a, a kind of an interesting backstory. So, all right. So here is the famous Ferrari scene with Yellow's "Oh Yeah." The 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California. Less than a hundred were made. My father spent three years restoring this car. It is his love, it is his passion, it is his fault he didn't lock the garage. Harris, what are you talking about? Harris, my father loves this car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far to whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. Dude, I don't think it gets cooler than that. That song is so uh, yeah, dope. Uh, what a perfect song to accompany just gushing over this super rare Ferrari, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, yeah, perfect song choice. But um, yeah, so dude, I, I sent you a picture of one of the members of Yellow right now. Yeah. First, I thought it was uh, Stan Lee. Yeah, uh, it does kind of. Uh, the only reason I sent it to you, I thought it was funny because he kind of resembles the uh, the Maitre D at. Uh, oh yeah. At the at the famous uh, or the fancy restaurant that that Ferris and and crew end up at the French restaurant, which is kind of funny. He's more. I into weep that for guy. the future. Yeah, exactly. Abe the Abe Roman scene. Uh, Dude, anyway. so Yellow is still kicking it. Yeah. They just released an album this year. Which is insane. So we're going to play a song from from the album that, that Oh Yeah shows up on, right? All right. So yeah, we are going to play a track off of the record Stella, which came out in 1985. So this song is called Blue Naboo. So this song, what's interesting about this, it started out as a piece of music that they wrote for an advertising for the soft drink Orangina in France mm. in 1984. Dude, I love me some Orange Gina. <laughs> some Orangina. That's hard to say. Really? You've had Orangina before? Yeah, dude. You can find it in like random delis every now and then. Well, there you go. Super fancy. I'm sure you could find it at uh, Central Market or Whole Foods, something like that. So I don't know if it actually appeared in a commercial or anything like that, but but that's what it was made. That was what it was intended for, and then it was developed into a track, originally intended for release on this album, but eventually came out as a B side 
in the 2005 um, reissue of the album. So anyway, let's play the song. So this is called Blue Naboo by Yellow. Yeah, you can see how this this is the group that made oh yeah right like it's got a lot of those same it's got the same kind of drums uh, you know they, they use the same you can tell they're, they're using the same the same synthesizer right like the same collection of of uh samples and stuff but yeah, um, and that's what they were known for you know uh yeah heavily sampled synth pop group yeah but i thought that was killer baseline dude killer baseline but i, I really like the the classical piano sound that they kind of throw in there like that that sound is done so often these days in like down tempo. I was gonna say, dude, have you heard of a band called uh Caravan Palace? No. Okay. So yeah, it reminds me of that a lot where it's kinda like a uh callback to the old like jazz, like swing yeah. big bands. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah, the Caravan Palace is a really cool group. They have some synthesizer in their music as well, but they're actually a big band, but it's like a it's a modern like swing band. That's what that reminded me of. Which is cool, and that that album came out in what eighty four? No, eighty five. Yeah. Okay, so right before Ferris came out. So what I like about exploring these songs, right, and these artists, is that it's very likely that this is the stuff that John Hughes was listening to. You know, yeah, as a music fan, as a music in the lover, 80s. yeah, yeah. So um, I've got another quote here from this this article that I read that uh, accompanied sort of the the re release of the soundtrack. But he was saying that he was so obsessed with the music choices during the filming of this. He was kind of a, uh, as one record executive called him, a rock and roll freak and a music aficionado. He was characteristically obsessed over the music in Ferris, listening to the Beatles' White Album daily during filming and teaming up with music direct- director Tarquin Gotch and composer Ira Newborn on the songs and score. So what I want to know, this dude, because we know we know Ira was the composer, right? I wonder what this this Gotch guy, Tarquin or Tarkin Gotch, he's the musical director. I wonder what a, what does a musical director do in the in the the film business? I wonder if he was the guy because he talks about later on this article. There's a quote from Tarquin talking about like trying to obtain the license for Twist and Shout, like apparently. The, the twist and shout that ends up in the movie is not the actual version of the Beatles record. Apparently in 88, Paul McCartney said he was unhappy that the song used in the parade scene had been overdubbed with some lousy brass, as McCartney oh, put it, which is funny. But anyway, like Hughes was obsessive about the music choices, probably because by this point he knew how how many, you know, people were paying attention to the songs that ended up in his films by this point. Because, right. you know, basically he turned Simple Minds in, into a huge hit in, in the U.S. by putting Don't You Forget About Me on, you know, the famous scene in The Breakfast Club, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, by the time you get to Ferris Bueller, like, you, you can't 
separate the the music from his films and and his movies, right? Like they're the same thing. So like that must have been so fun for him too, you know? Yeah. Like once if if he was confident enough, like it must have been so cool knowing that he was like you said breaking a lot of these bands and and yeah. getting getting that music out there. That's really cool to think about. Yeah. Let's let's play another one. Yeah, so our next song cue. So let's paint the let's paint the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're about to say, dude. This is probably one of my favorite songs that shows up in the movie. This was one of the few songs that I actually do remember uh, downloading illegally. Me too. With a uh, uh, Napster or LimeWire or whatever it is we were using at the time. Soul Seek. Soul Seek. Yeah, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, I do. Um, okay, so Ferris convinces Cameron to steal his dad's car for the day. And the only thing missing is Ferris's girlfriend, Sloan. So they they make a prank phone call to Edward Rooney the principal and convince him to let Sloan out for the day because they, they tell him that her, what her grandmother died or something. So they're picking her up at the front steps of the school and they're about to take a joyride through the city of Chicago. Here we go. This song is from a band called the flower pot men. The song is called beat city. What are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do. The question is what aren't we going to do? Don't say we're not going to take the car home. Please don't say we're not going to take the car home. Please don't. If you had access to a car like this, would you take it back right away? Neither would I. So here, here's the interesting thing about this this song, because as we mentioned, it was released as a single. Because I think we mentioned that it was released as um, a single, almost specifically for Ferris Bueller. Like this was considered like the 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 closest thing to an official soundtrack for Ferris Bueller. It was this song, and on the flip side, was another song that shows up in the film by a band called The Blue Room called I'm Afraid. And listen to this, dude. This will make you love John Hughes even more. He would send out this final to fans of the movie who wrote him letters. That's awesome, dude. And apparently, uh, as as the music director, uh, Gotch, said, he says, John just loved the idea of some kid in the middle of nowhere who's seen his film who gets something in the post he wasn't expecting, and that makes him cool. That is amazing, man. So how awesome is that, dude? And that again shows you how much of a how much he enjoyed sharing music with people, like literally to the right. He would send yes. he would yeah. send these uh these forty fives in the mail. Uh, yeah, so cool. How dope is that, dude? Yeah, so I mean, clearly this is a band that not a lot of people knew about, you know. I mean, I'm sure people are hearing the flower pop man for the first time watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's not a lot about these guys online. I couldn't find much about them. And no, get this, man. This is this this says it all to me right here. He put that song in because he was he was tired of Gotcha's first choice. So yeah, this does show that oh, man. this guy, this director, music director, did have some say in the in the music that was picked. And he originally had picked the song "Walking on Sunshine." Are you by, oh. Katrina, <laughs> by Katrina and the Waves, dude? The movie that would not be the are same. Are you kidding dude. me? That scene would not 
it just wouldn't have the same effect dude yeah this is the perfect song for, for like beat city they're the driving sea, the, the, fucking the city scenery of you know downtown chicago and and the, yes the, it's the, perfect the ferrari driving through the city yeah man, right. it's perfect walking on sunshine oh just think about it though that that tells you how crucial hughes was to this because dude i almost want to dub it i know <laughs> dub it's, it over it's really and insane just play it yeah so this song beat city was produced by the same guy his name is mike thorne who produced tainted love by soft cell mm. so that's a pretty big deal so i've got another song from the flower pot men and this was a non-single as best as i could tell so it seems to me like most of what they were releasing were smaller releases for sure uh, I can't off the top of my head tell you where this song shows up. I think it may have been a B-side, but um, they actually later became known as Sun Sonic, all one word, so they changed their names to Sun Sonic and released a full-length LP in 1990 uh, with the title of the same name of the song that I'm about to play. So this is, again, a track from the band The Flower Pot Men. This song is called Melting Down on Motor Angel. I really like that song too. That's a great. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the blend of like synth with like sort of like that punk rock kind of flair. Yeah. So this reminds me a lot of that post punk neo psychedelia genre that I spoke about briefly. The tiny little episodes that I did by myself leading up to our Strokes episode with the band The Soft Boys. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like that dark new wave kind of punk stuff uh yeah really dark and kind of sinister sounding doesn't sound anything like beat city you know no which is what i liked about it yeah all right so let's bring this home dude we got one more song from the movie to play which man this song is so great dude um so they have a fun day out in the city all is well they drop off the Ferrari at a, a parking garage down in the city so they can go walk around and, you know, so Ferris can go sing his uh, song at the parade and all that. And the garage, parking garage attendants take the car on a joyride themselves. And uh, on the way back home, they realize the miles on the odometer is a bit higher than when they left it in the garage. So the artist is called Zap. The song is called Radio People. Cameron? Yeah. How many miles did you say this thing had on it when we left? 
126 and halfway between three and four tenths. Why? How many miles are on it now? Here's where Cameron goes berserk. another just another amazing track yeah and of course you you uh you seamlessly blended it there q so we didn't get to hear cameron uh scream yeah i didn't want to you know shock your earbuds with cameron's iconic scream yeah and we got to hear a little bit more of the song yeah and so zap is there are are full-on funk electronic band they started out in the the late 70s and they kind of put that robotic sound on on the lead singer's voice and all their songs i feel like they must have had some influence on daft punk and that kind of mm-hmm. uh you know french electro electronic sound that became popular in the late 90s you know yeah and we have a non-single to play from them so this is off of an album so all, all their album names are zap zap 2 zap 3 in 1985, just like Seal, right? Just like Seal. In 1985 is where this song Radio People shows up. The album is called The New Zap for You and it's Roman numeral 4 and the letter U. And uh so this song is actually a cover. Everyone knows the song I Only Have Eyes for You, right? Oh yeah. Tons of bands have covered it. So this is their version of it and dude, you're going to fucking love this, man. All right, so here is Zap's cover of I Only Have Eyes For You. This is like the this is the music that 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 is making a comeback right now, dude. I know, dude. I I knew you'd love it, man. Yeah, just it's uh, that it's that hypnagogic pop. Yeah, and the vapor wave and all that vapor yeah. wave. Yeah, this is totally. who they're kind of pulling from. So, dude, this is completely random. I didn't know that you were going to play this song. So now I have to. We have to pull up another song because okay. every time I hear eyes eyes for you, any version of it, I immediately think of my favorite version of it. By Yonder Boy. You know what? who Yonder Boy is, right? Yes. Dude, I featured this on our music blog on my weekly uh, Electric Saturdays. This version is 
is the best version. Dude. Yeah, and Yonderboard is another electronic artist in that like jazzy down tempo vein. Yeah, and I think he's French actually. He is for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's play it. Yeah, let's play it. I love how he turned it into like almost like this dark rock song, you know? Yeah. There's really nothing electronic about it. I think that was the Flamingos version. Like the original I version. I want to say they're the guys that... Not the original, because that's actually... What's the original? Like pretty much everyone is covering this song. It was written by some composer named Harry Warren and lyricist Al Dubbin, but I don't know if okay. he actually ever sang it. It's so just it's one like of those, one of those standards, right? Uh, standards, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, that's great. I didn't. I never listened to that. Uh, to anything past shallow and profound with as far as yonder boy albums go yeah so cool yeah yeah anyway that's just random but <laughs> so yeah um i think that's all we had dude we now we have another one that we're going to talk about toward the end here but uh, well yeah we'll we'll talk about it at the end after our what your hurts but first off i just want to give a, a huge thank you to john hughes for sharing all this music with us you well know? dude we're only really we've only just begun dude we're going to do this for the next three weeks I know, but dude, like, maybe none of us would have ever heard this music if John Hughes didn't put it on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That, that's very true. Unless I mean, you were looking for it or unless you found it, you know? Yeah, you would you, you you just stumbled have to upon stumble it. upon it. But I mean, yeah. that's definitely the case with some of the bands that, that became a huge success because they were featured on a John Hughes film. Like I talked about earlier with Simple Minds. Um, there's other examples like that that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. So anyway... Um, yeah, we just scratched the surface. Obviously, there's a lot more music that shows up on this movie. Um, if you if you haven't, you know, I would I would encourage you to pull up Spotify. You can find there's plenty of people that have put together Ferris Bueller soundtrack um, playlists on Spotify because I don't think the the official record it's not is on no, there. It's not, it's not on Spotify, but yeah, same with YouTube. You can find people have, have put together yeah. YouTube playlists of, of the, the soundtrack. Yeah, what's great about uh, you know Spotify, people throw on really random stuff, like the I Dream of Genie theme song, you know, shows yeah. up for half a second while Ferris is dancing around in his room. You know? <laughs> right, right um, after he convinces his parents to leave him alone for the day. I, for, I do. I'm so glad that I just read <laughs> this name because I, I wanted to mention this. Um, one of the artists that, that's on the soundtrack, uh, it's a really cool song too. It's called Bad by a band called Big Audio Dynamite. And I mentioned oh, yeah. them last week on our Seal That's episode. Right. And I knew that that band sounded familiar to me. It's probably because I heard a Southern name on this on the soundtrack at some point. But yeah, I think it was the the roommate or something like that of Seal was in Big Audio Dynamite. So what a small fucking world we live in, dude. Yeah, really. But um, yeah. And also, like we sort of touched on, the actual score by, by Ira Newborn, also a huge, huge part of the, the movie. You know, because it, yeah. it added that sort of background element. And, you know, it's kind of the point we were making, like, did a perfect job personifying the two main characters in yeah. music format. And uh, really great. The other song yeah. that we're going to talk about later kind of did the same thing. So, For sure. Anyway, uh, let's do our What You Heard, Q. Uh, why don't you go first? So um, I got to give another shout out to the vinyl community on Reddit. 
I can't tell you now how many great albums and artists I've discovered just with people sharing a record that they picked up. You know, I don't know if you're a part of that subreddit, dude, but I highly recommend checking it out because there's always something interesting to find on there. So, does the name Jonathan Richmond mean anything to you? Not off the top of my head. Okay, so you know the guy that's sitting up in the tree playing guitar and there's something about Mary? Yeah. And it's kind of like a theme that, song yeah. for... Yeah, that's Jonathan Richmond. Okay. He actually shows up in a few of... Um, those movies the what farley brothers what's the name yeah the farley brothers uh, he he's like the house band in some bar in uh kingpin which is one of my favorite movies by the farley brothers anyways so one of his albums was posted on the vinyl subreddit it's an album called i jonathan that came out in 92 he just releases a lot of great like kind of surf rock americana i guess is one genre that gets thrown around with him um just really simple fun kind of lighthearted tunes this song i'm going to play is probably his most popular according to spotify it's been played the most out of all his songs on spotify it's an awesome song dude i think you're gonna like it so again the the artist is called jonathan richmond and the song is i was dancing in the lesbian bar well i was dancing at a nightclub one friday night and that nightclub bar was a little uptight Yeah, I was dancing all alone a little self-conscious When some kids came up and said, for dancing, come with us And soon I was dancing in the lesbian bar, oh, oh I was dancing in the lesbian bar, ooh, ooh tapping my feet by the end of it fucking love it man yeah that's a great song great guitar work the lyrics are great dude like he was at a stuffy bar like not enjoying himself at all and these kids come up to him and they're like follow us dude let's go dancing at this lesbian bar you're gonna have a blast oh so he ended up there i didn't realize that i thought he was there the whole time no 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 okay that's why he's saying the first bar was all uptight i see yeah yeah it's great dude fucking love it anyways so, yeah, I, I kind of dove pretty deep into Jonathan Richmond. He has a lot more surf kind of music uh, earlier on. If you go back into the 80s, he played a lot with a band called the Modern Lovers. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I, I think I know those guys. Yeah, well, they're they're uh, like a surf surf rock kind of band. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. So, that's my What You Heard. What have you been heard lately, brother? All right. So, I think I've mentioned this before. I typically go in cycles with the music I'm listening to and it's in between like rock metal and electronic right oh yeah dude that's that's your bread and butter yeah I've swung back to electronic shocker yeah I know um, but I think that's probably been obvious by my last two what you heards because um, what was last week was uh, some artist that I picked up from uh, a, a playlist made by the artist that I brought the previous week. So I'm still on that. I'm still on the, the electronic swing. Like I'm still going that way. 
Okay. You think probably, you're gonna go full on metal pretty soon? I'll start. Yeah, I'll be back to metal probably in like January or something like that. You're <laughs> pretty predictable, dude. You got it all. You got like a schedule. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Chart it out on your calendar? No, it's definitely not charted out on my calendar. I'm just saying <laughs> most likely. Oh, you know what, dude? It's because October comes around and you got to play some Ghost. Got to play some Metallica. But that's some Halloween well, season. I, I'm, I saved another What You Heard for next week. Okay. That, that That's Hey Now, dude. Now, that's not in the spirit of What You Heard. Uh, no, it's not. Wow. But you'll see why. And I'll still be listening to it. It'll still be relevant. All right. Anyway. Uh so I'm pulling another, I'm, I'm kind of using this guy, this guy's playlist because he's got a lot of great stuff on it. So this is another pick from Equip. Like it's got, you know, it's eight hours of music. Nice. So there's some good stuff on here. So anyway, I've got another, another band from this dude, another artist, I should say, not a band. Uh, this person goes by Octo Oxa. That's uh, one of her, one of her names. She is a house producer a very well-known house producer. And um, this particular song shows up on a compilation album that came out in 2018 called Silk to Dry the Tears. Oh, I like that album cover. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So the name of this track is called Not Sure What to Do, in parentheses, Variation Zoning Number 4, which sounds like a, like a Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> yeah, it does. level or whatever. Uh, Emerald Zone or whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, here we go. This is by uh, Octo Octa. about it brother <laughs> dude if you like that kind of stuff man I, I i could give you a whole playlist that i've been putting together over the years of stuff like that man i love this kind Please of shit do let me tell you man and this is just me you know this is just my preference i think there's a right and wrong way to do four on the floor house music mm -hmm. and octo octa is doing it in all the right ways man well that's the thing like you have to see you have to find it like you have to find this really well done stuff like and it's all over the place if you know where it's, to look and stuff. yeah and it's like there's such a subtle like evolution in the song yeah that's we've talked about it all the time that's why you with, listen to electronic music down tempo yeah yeah and it, it yeah that's just enough to to keep you interested yeah um yeah dude it took nearly two minutes for it to really get going and it, but, it keeps going too he, oh yeah she introduces six a whole minutes, 20 seconds a whole long, other so. element to it that, that you just missed very but yeah, cool i love this love kind it. of stuff um it's the perfect kind of music i know i see this yeah, all the time I know, dude. with a good pair of headphones like there's nothing better than this kind of music because the bass the way that the bass comes through and a good pair of headphones yeah. it's got that driving kind of 
beat to it. It's perfect background music. Yeah, it's, it's my just, favorite thing to say. Yeah, it's great, man. But um, <laughs> yeah, there. I think what I like about this kind of this, I use this word because it's the only word I can think of. But like this darker electronic music, like more atmospheric. It just puts you in a mood, you know, and it's yeah. really great for just uh, sort of background music, driving music. If you're driving around at night, uh, driving around through the city at night, uh, uh, if you will. Yeah, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it reminds me of the moods of Eamon Tobin, you know? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, I mean, Eamon Tobin obviously is is, is a different kind of He's way more like drum artist. and bass. Yeah, heavy. but what's interesting, um, this particular house musician, Octo... Octa. And let me give her let me give her some credit here. She actually came out in 2016 as transgender. So her name is Maya Boldry Morrison. And she's been doing this for for a long, long time, uh, making music. But she just now recently came out in 2016 as as transgender, which is really cool. I, I cool. That kind of stuff makes me makes me happy. That kind of representation and stuff like yeah, that. And you absolutely. Know, being 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 somebody who who comes out and not afraid, not you know, not afraid to come out. Uh, and this was after she had already gained popularity and prominence as a house DJ record producer. Um, you know, cool. anyway. And I hope she's had, had nothing but support since then. Yeah, I hope so. All right, let's tease. So um, next week, we chose to do Ferris Bueller first because Ferris Bueller is one of our favorite John Hughes films. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to go in order of release date going forward. Uh, for the next three weeks and possibly more if we choose to keep doing this. So um, next week, we're going to talk about 16 Candles. Dude, and I need to go watch that film because I don't know if I've ever watched it all the way through. And if I did, it's been years and years and years. So The thing about Ferris Bueller is I immediately had songs in mind for us to talk about. So did I, dude. We pretty much had it all mapped out. Yeah, for this one, no clue. Yeah, I'm going to have to take some notes while, while I'm watching the movie timestamp it you know i so ira newborn was the composer cool so there you go oh dude here we go we got it figured out man uh thompson twins appears on here you know we can find another great track by them to oh, talk yeah, about dude. for uh, sure well don't spill beans brother yeah yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> dude we got it all there's so many bands okay we're we're good <laughs> we're good uh okay. anyway um yeah so that's next week and we're just gonna keep doing this man it's gonna be great this is this is the perfect way to sort of explore 80s, right? It's John Hughes. Absolutely. So again, thank you, John Hughes. Yeah. Wherever you may reside in this in in this realm. In this realm. Or or a different realm. You might be in a different or realm. Or in a different realm, yeah. Thank you, sir, for sharing this great music. Or he might just be worm food, Q. What? I said he might just be worm food, too, if we want to just well, get, you know what? Get, get for real reels, you know. Well, then I just thank you, uh, universe, for... <laughs> Let's just put it this way, Q. I'm happy that we existed on this planet with that man. There we go. For 23 years, because he died totally. in 2009. Well said. Well 26 said. years. That's how you do math. It's 26. No, 22. God damn, dude. Now that's how math. you do math. Now that's how you do it. Anyway. All right. So that's it, uh, Travis. You had an outro. Uh... Oh yes. Okay. So one of my favorite scenes in the film. It's one of those scenes that just stands out and sticks sticks with you. I would put this in like top 10 just beautiful scenes in a film period, like with yeah. no dialogue. It's one of the best best scenes in, in any film period. Uh, we're talking, of course, about the museum scene is, is what it's referred to as. It does not belong in a teen movie. You know what I mean? No. That's what I like about it. Yeah, it's it's just, just so great. It's an appreciation of the art in the museum. That's what it is, dude. They're walking around and enjoying the museum, and we get to enjoy it with them. Yeah, so the story behind this scene is that... um, So, John Hughes grew up in Chicago. So, you know, this film is like a love letter to Chicago, right? Yeah. And he used to go to this museum all the time. So, this was just an excuse for him to, to film in the museum. And the art pieces that he shows in the film are his favorite art pieces in the museum, which is really cool. And this song in particular, it, you can't have this scene with any other song. You know what I mean? It's the perfect song. I agree. And um, we're talking about what's interesting about it is this is a song that was originally uh, recorded by the Smiths. It's called Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want. And a band called Dream Academy put out a cover of the song. And then they also put out an instrumental version of the song. 
and John Hughes chose the instrumental version. My mind is being blown right now, dude. Sorry to, sorry, but guess what the art museum's called? Fry. I'm looking at Cameron. It's the Fry Art Museum. That is why hmm. the character is named Cameron Fry. Well, shit. Let my camera. <laughs> oh, that's go. cool. So yeah, anyway, really cool. Um, sorry. So yeah. So he so he decides to do the B side version of the Dream Academy. Well, it cover wasn't the B side. Of... I'm wrong. It wasn't the B side for the single. Oh. So the okay. so the 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 cover of the Smith song with the words in it was released as a single. I don't know when the like where the instrumental version showed up, um, but. I read an article on uh, this website called Gawker. You may have uh, stumbled upon it. But I've gawked at it a few times. There you go. Uh, the name of the, the article is The Museum Scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the Greatest Scene from Any 80s Movie. And this guy kind of goes into the case that he's making for it. But I wanted to just read a couple lines from this article before we play the song. So he says here, I believe Hughes chose to use this instrumental cover version because it is both clinically cold, like Cameron, and uniquely optimistic, like Ferris. The song juxtaposes these two very strong emotions and perhaps points to the future direction that the lives of these two characters may take. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is, it's cool. And it is cool, again, like, like you said, that he decided to use this beautiful instrumental version by the Dream Academy. It's perfect. And there's like that crescendo at the end of the song, you know, and that's how, how it cuts straight to the parade scene, I believe, is the next scene. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Really cool. All right, Q. So we're going to let that close us out. You can uh, find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our show notes for every episode, including track lists. So this will have a lot of tracks on it because uh, we mentioned and played a lot of music. Um uh, and then, of course, you can find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network as well. Uh, that is the that is our home, Q. Uh, and it's also the home to a lot of other great music podcasts. Uh, that's pantheonpodcasts.com. All right, Q, that'll do it for this week. We're going to have the Dream Academy close us out with their instrumental version of Please, Please, Let Me Get What I Want, which is... A song originally by the Smiths. So no, I go. thought there were three pleases. You're right. There are three pleases. <laughs> this is an instrumental version of a cover of the Smiths song. So it's kind of funny. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Um, we'll come at you next week with an exploration of the, the bands and the music showcased in 16 Candles. Uh, and yeah, that's it. My name is Travis. And my name's Quentin. I'll see you all next week. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? 
Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.